Welcome to the podcast, People of the Book. I'm your host, Meryl Ain. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We chat with authors and storytellers in thought-provoking and intimate interviews, all with a Jewish twist. On today's program, I'm delighted to welcome Richard Kay and Annette Schwartz Kay. Rick and Annette live in Fairfield County, Connecticut, where they raised their two sons. Rick has a degree in mechanical engineering from the Cooper Union and a master's in business administration specializing in operations research. Annette holds Bachelor and Master of Arts degrees in Communicative Disorders from Queens College of the City University of New York. In addition to co-authoring their new book, Revelation, a memoir of deep family secrets, discovery, and identity, they co-founded and manage a software design company that services the jewelry industry. Annette and Rick have four grandchildren and make time to be actively involved in their lives. They also enjoy traveling, hiking, long-distance cycling, and racket sports. So welcome, Rick and Annette. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, my pleasure. And first, I want to say that your memoir is very intriguing and raises many, raises many interesting and perplexing issues that we'll be discussing today. So, Annette, why don't you give us a brief summary of Revelation uh, for those who haven't yet read it? Yes, thank you. So Rick and I have been married for a very long time. I met him when I was 18. So I was very involved with his family um, until his parents passed away. Um, And what the memoir is about is a story about Rick finding out that um, at a Jewish fundraiser that was advertised as a fun DNA reveal dinner that his sister Randy that he was raised with uh, was in fact not his full sister, but a half sister. And soon they discovered that the father that raised them both were n- was not the biological father to either of them. Um, so this was a shocking surprise. His parents and that generation were no longer alive to question how this happened. And um, we wind up taking clues along the way to find out that uh, the secret that his parents held um, was perpetuated so well that nobody in the family had any idea about how this came to be. So the memoir is really kind of Rick's burning need to know the truth about his uh, paternal his medical history and who his father was and try to uncover the facts of how this came to be. Thank you. Yeah, Rick, what inspired you to share this deeply personal story? You know, it's one thing to want to investigate your roots, but but you and Annette wrote 
this book. So you you want to share this story with with the world. What inspired you to to want to share this? Well, the the process of uh, finding out about my father was was <laughs> earth, earth It was just shattered. Just shattered me. My whole family history was all blown up, and. Um, as it was evolving and as it was percolating in my head over a period of several months, and I was telling people, you know, this is what I found out. And then every time we were meeting people, they would ask me, have you found anything else? Have you found anything else? Have you found anything else? And universally, it was agreed to be a, a fascinating story. It would hold every dinner conversation for a year and a half. Right. So in addition to the fact that it was a fascinating story. I felt a compelling need to uh, to go through, to verbalize and to memorialize my feelings as this process was evolving. And this, the second part of the book is uh, investigates or ex explores how we actually solved this mystery because my biological father was a, a ghost on the internet and we had very, very little to work with, but it took us months to put it all together. And that is an interesting story in its own right. The other thing I was going to mention is that while our DNA test that we took for this, you know, uh, fun dinner at our temple, when it came back, there was a shocking discovery. We're both uh, thought we were close to 100% Ashkenazi Jewish going back generations. And um, mine came back as 90% Ashkenazi Jewish with a little bit of Sephardic. Mm -hmm. Rick's came back and his sister Randy that he grew up with came back 50% Ashkenazi Jewish. And the other 50% that was Northern European uh, was not Jewish. So that was a shock in and of itself that um, not only was his biological father not his father, but um, he wasn't fully biologically, genetically Jewish. And also that his that his sister was not his full sister. Right. So that was really <laughs> a double or a triple whammy. So right. well, well, the book um, is in your voice, Rick. Uh, yes. Both you and Annette wrote it together. So I'm curious, how did that work? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'll start off. We have a business together. We've been married for a very long time, decades. Um, you seem to not want to tell us how long. <laughs> how just, long have you been married? It, it makes us sound older than we are because we got married when I was a teenager, uh, 47 years. Okay. Um, we had separate careers for quite a long time, but for the last probably 25 years, we've been working together um, on our business. And uh, we have very complementary skill sets. So uh, writing the book together was interesting because um, Rick's an engineer, as you mentioned in the, in the you know, in his, in his biography, um, so he doesn't really delve into his feelings and he's not that introspective. So helping him to write the book was bringing out a lot of that. Um, so we, we complement each other on that. He's very research oriented as well. 
So it really was a good match, but it, it was challenging. There's no question about it. It was challenging. Yeah, we, we agonized over, you know, I, I said recently that we agonized over every paragraph, but Annette said, no, we agonized over every word. Um, the, a lot of the situations, Annette was a memory aid, if you will, you know, she would, mm -hmm. she would prompt me for things that I might not have remembered or I, I misremembered, and we worked through that. But it was really what, what made the book come to life in my mind was when Annette would say, well, how did you feel at that moment? Well, you know, what was going in your head at that moment? Why did you do this? And why did you do that? And she drew all of that out of me and we put it down on the paper together. Great. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is your first book, correct? Yes, it is. Yes. So, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, did you ever give any thought to fictionalizing it or you just knew from the beginning it, it had to be a memoir? Well, I think we knew that it had to be a memoir. Rick can speak to that. But in terms of fictionalizing it, I think it would make a great miniseries or like Netflix movie because Absolutely. the story is so compelling. Um, we, we, you know, didn't get to how we found out or, or um, the details of it, but you know, it is a, a mystery that compels you to want to keep reading to find out more. And I think that it would be great if it were, um, like I said, a, a, a movie. Yeah, I, I second that. It, it would be it would be very compelling. So, Rick, um, discuss with us a little bit about how your parents' concealment of your origins affected you? There was always, in my family, there was always a disconnect. Uh, my, um, my, my skill set, my mindset, uh, my political leanings, um, everything about me set me apart from the rest of my family. And Randy, to a certain extent, my, my half-sister as well. Um, we it's just it's 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 very hard to explain how you don't feel like you belong in a family finding out about their what what they had what they did was both uh and then keeping it a secret was both infuriating that you know how could they not tell me something like this and at the same time finding out that they went for a donor insemination in a in a time when this was completely unheard of and absolutely secret um there was a sense of gratitude to my father for being so generous in some sense, but at the same time, I was angry at them for keeping the secret from me. So it, it, it really, um, finding out that my biological father was a different person, was well-educated, highly respective, a super athlete, mirrored a lot of my feelings of self in, in a ways that being in my family in ignorance of this did not. Yeah, you you also uh, mentioned your your relationship with with Randy. Uh, did did your relationship with her change after your mutual discoveries? Well, absolutely. I mean, she was standing right next to me when I found out that that we were half half siblings. Um, the first thing I said after I mean the blood drained out of my face. The first thing I said was I knew it, and the second thing. Uh, 
that was spoken in that conversation was Randy saying, it can't be me, it must be you. So we had this disconnect in the perception of how this, this new fact could, could be laying out and when the facts behind it. Um, and we shared a trauma. I mean, ultimately she found out that my father wasn't her father either. I mean, we both were donor inseminated by two different men, but um, Annette and Randy and I became a three person support group because we were all in shock from this fact. And if anything, it, it brought Randy and I closer together. Yeah. How, um, you said you knew it. How, what made you know it? I don't know. Uh, it's just, the, I think it was just the disconnect, the, the fact that I always felt apart from my family. Uh, both my parents uh, barely got a high school education and I have a master's. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in terms of intellectual capabilities, um, it just didn't feel like a good fit between my father and I. And just to mention physically, Rick didn't really look like his family. Um, there was some traits that looked like his mother, but nothing like his father. He had, uh, he has blonde hair and blue eyes and his parents were dark haired, dark eyed as, as was Randy, as is Randy. So there was also the physical difference between him and his family. Okay, I, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, going, going back and, and, you know, hindsight has 50-50, vision now so we're we're really we're talking about the early 1950s and certainly uh children who were adopted let's say you know post post world war ii um those were i think overwhelmingly closed adoptions do you think there's a parallel between what happened to you and with babies uh, who who were adopted. Nowadays, many adoptees are able to seek and find their birth parents. Do you, do you identify with them in any way? Well, there's this, this um, I don't say shared trauma because I've already used that word, but there's this, this feeling that you, you, you may not be biologically connected to your family and adopted children who are aware that they're adopted seem to um, adapt to that much better than children who are adopted, don't know it, and don't feel like they belong. Um, you know, in terms of the secrecy you mentioned, uh, there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of legal cases that contradicted one another. You know, I was either illegitimate or in one, in, in, by one judge's ruling, I was illegitimate, by another, I wasn't. Uh, my mother was an adulterer or she wasn't. My father was guilty of conspiracy to commit adultery or he wasn't. Nobody really knew how the law was going to play out on it. So the secrecy of behind donor insemination was um, to protect all the people involved. Well, that's interesting because the, the insemination uh, took place, um, you know, at a highly regarded uh, New York hospital. So your book digs into the clandestine medical practice of donor-conceived children around the early 1950s. What what did you find most surprising? I mean, I found most surprising that there was such a clinic. Uh, what what did you find most surprising? Well, the, the name of the hospital was that we, I mean, 
it was it was called a secret clinic. It was the Bellevue Hospital Secret Clinic, and we know the the, the person, the doctor, was very well renowned um, doctor by the name of Dr. Sophia Kliegman. She ran this clinic, and she did these inseminations. Uh, like you say, it was clandestine, and and it was to protect all the people involved. Uh, One of the things that I would love to have asked Rick's parents if they were alive was how they found out about this clinic. We don't know. Um, And now Rick was raised with uh, two siblings that he thought were full siblings. It turns out they're three half siblings. There's a younger brother and we don't know. We know that he's a half sibling. we just, we don't know whether the father that raised them, their social father is actually his biological father because he was considered an accident as a younger child. Um, but uh, we would love to know how they got to this clinic. Um, now, you know, we, we didn't really talk about, I'm getting ahead of myself, but now Rick is one of 13 half siblings. Um, so some are Jewish and some are not Jewish and the ones that are Jewish, the ones that were donor conceived that are Jewish are actually also somewhat related on the mother's side of the family. And they're all seem to be, um, Eastern European Ashkenazi Jews from the Ukraine, Poland area. So that's a mystery. I mean, Rick's sister, Randy, that he was raised with is also related somehow to some of these half siblings of Rick's that are uh, Jewish. So that's a mystery that we haven't yet been able to solve. So yeah, you speculate a little bit about how, how, how did his parents even find out about this? Right, we don't know. We don't know the answer to that. We're still, we're still checking it out. We're still trying to find it out. Right. So unlike the early 50s, the, the time you write about in the memoir, when, when you and your sister uh, were conceived, artificial insemination and other forms of assisted reproductive technology are fairly common nowadays. While no one knew back then that such a secret would ever be revealed, now it's possible with DNA testing, as you discovered, to uncover this information. So this is, this is, uh, I, to me, this is an important question that I'd like you both to weigh in on. Do you think that there's a way to protect the interests of everyone involved? The donors and the recipients might not want to disclose this information, yet you make a very strong case in the book that you, Rick, as the child, have a right to the information of your paternity. Should there be protocols in place? And if so, have you given any thought to what they should be? Uh, Yes, yes, I have. it's impossible in, in this in scientific environment to completely protect the anonymity of the, of the donor. Um, we found the donor through a second cousin who was on uh, my heritage DNA or ancestry DNA. That's the ancestry. A second cousin in, in all the way out in um, Alberta, Canada. And by a DNA sample submitted by his grandchild, 
in another part of the, of the United States. So the connection we found was third party. There were no, none of my biological father's children raised in his family submitted DNA samples and we still found them. So it's, it's almost impossible to guarantee anonymity. In Colorado, uh, they just passed a law that, that makes donor insemination, uh, don donor sperm anonymity illegal. You have to disclose this information. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and that's, uh, that's considered to be, you know, the, the social norm or the, the ethical position that people should be taking now. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to the amount of people who are willing to donate sperm, considering that their anonymity is going to be uncertain or nil. Um, but do you have any? Yeah, you know, the industry even today is pretty unregulated. Um, a lot of the, the donors self-report. So they can be lying about their education, they can be lying about their medical history, and there are cases now where they've discovered that some of these donors did do that um, to the detriment of the children that wound up being conceived with the use of their sperm. So um, there's a lot of improvement that still needs to be done in, in this area. But you know, in, in terms of why we felt it was so important to know there's also the medical history. I mean, Rick had half his medical history that was bogus. And um, our children, therefore, had medical history that, that also wasn't correct. Of course, it was diluted down, but you know, we felt there, there really was a need for, for our family to know what the true medical history was. Um, right. So, Annette, do you do you think Revelation is a cautionary tale? Um, you know, in some ways, it it was written as a catharsis for Rick to kind of get his feelings out. But on another level, um, I think there are more and more people who are discovering from taking DNA tests that are so ubiquitous now that their biological parent, usually father, is often father is not um, who raised them. It's really like two to 6% according to some of the statistics that are non-parent expected um, on these DNA sites. So because of that, this book, I think helps some of those individuals who find out that their parentage is not what they thought it also helps them to learn how to research to find out about finding their parent. But the story really is uplifting because through this discovery, we were able to find out who Rick's biological father was after several months um, and that he had children that he raised. And when we contacted them, they were surprised but they were very welcoming to us. And along the way, we found that um, his sperm had also created many others, at least five others to date that we know about. And nobody, nobody knew. None of the, none of the doctor, he was a physician, 
None of the physician's children knew that he had donated. And the, the donor conceived half siblings didn't know. So we had a, you know, like a, an ethical question about how do we contact them? Should we contact them? And, um, and, and how do we do that? So that's also written in Revelation about, you know, the, the details. Moral, the moral yeah, and ethical. Right part of, of the story, which is really important when you think about it, because you're, you're basically blowing up somebody's family narrative. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know how it, how it is now, but I know in the, in the past and, you know, this is, we're not going back, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, uh, that, that medical students and doctors were were routinely asked to to donate their sperm to these um, clinics, and you know I, I don't think they perhaps they weren't you know aware of what the consequences could be in 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 the future. Well, yeah, they really thought it was anonymous. Exactly. Um, right. But I, you know, I think the bottom line with Revelation is that it's it's um, a cautionary tale, but at the same time, it's an uplifting story because at the end of the day, um, all of Rick's half siblings call themselves the tribe, and we all get together on Zoom and have like you know, meetings of the children that were raised by the, the donor and the children that were donor conceived. And um, we've met many of them and a lot of them have met each other. Um, and understandably, a lot of these donor conceived half siblings were single children. Their parents did it once and, and they didn't have siblings. And now they feel like there's a connection to other people that a lot of them wanted. So it, it really is an uplifting story at the end of the day. So you're saying that, that these connections have in many cases uh, enriched um, the, the lives of the, of the half siblings. Um, well, absolutely. Um, general, I mean, all of the donor conceived siblings that we contacted uh, were shocked at first, of course, but ultimately they were glad that they got a chance to find things, to find this fact out and to, and to know that there are others, you know, within this half sibling group, our tribe. Um, so the lonely onlys became, you know, now have sisters and brothers that they didn't have. And um, we're all, it's interesting is that we share a lot in terms of um, political orientation and mindset about life. It's, it's really, really very uplifting but you're also you're in saying that you're you're also saying that a lot of that is genetic which is which is interesting you know nature versus nurture yeah there are actually some studies because we did a lot of research and there's some studies that say political orientation can be genetic um so that was kind of an interesting fact that that i didn't know um, one of the other things is that Rick never really looked like I mentioned uh, to, he didn't look like his family, but one of the donors, children that he raised and Rick, the resemblance is so striking that 
when the family saw a picture of Rick, they immediately knew it was true. Um, and we recently got together with that half sibling whose name, we anonymized the names in the book, but her name in the book is Laura. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's just shocking. And then one of the half siblings that uh, was donor conceived looks so much like the father mm -hmm. that it's it's kind of been shocking also to the to his children to his the children that he raised. Um, Interestingly, uh, this this man we call Lance in the book is three days younger than I am. Wow. So we kind of joke that we're like half fraternal twins because we mm. think of a split don a split sperm sample that our mothers might have been in um, two different rooms in the clinic at the same oh my time. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Which is probably how it happened because in, in those that period of time, they didn't have the technology to freeze sperm. So they had to use the sample within two hours. Um, you know, also we had mentioned this Dr. Sophia Kliegman, who's an amazing woman in her own right, uh, who's running this clinic. And um, we have a whole chapter that's devoted to her and, and her research because she did publish a paper about the secret clinic and um, a few years later that was uh, presented and, and just incredibly interesting. Yeah, and as, as we mentioned, there was no such thing as DNA testing back then, but now it's, it's pretty ubiquitous. So do you, either of you or both of you, have advice for people who are considering DNA testing? And do you think there should be some sort of caveat to people who may be embarking on such a journey that could have unintended consequences? Uh, absolutely. Uh, all of the, the major DNA testing sites in their terms and conditions have warnings about, you know, once you, you, you may not, you may find out something that you can't unknow and it specifically mentions a father is not your father. Um, and I think that maybe what happened to me and, and my siblings is something that, that prompted that. Um, in terms of warnings, I would say, don't ask a question you, you can't, you're not prepared to hear the answer to, but if you're, if you're willing to accept that there could be a surprise in there, go for it because um, it's, it's good information. It's good to know where you came from. Uh, many times there's a dislocation between children and their parents, and this can help explain it and give you a sense of uh, understanding why things are the way they are, as opposed to just, uh, you know. When Annette and I would, would, would have a discussion about things related to my parents, probably on 20 or 30 occasions over the last 40 something years, she would say, how did you come from that family? <laughs> yeah, and, and now we know. <laughs> yeah, we know. So I, I'm I'm curious. Um, you you're kind of indicating, Rick, that if you had to do it again, you would take this DNA test. Uh, is that correct? That's absolutely true. And Annette, how do you feel about it? Would you want him to have taken it? That's a good question. Um, yes. I think that it was really rough for him in the beginning. Um, 
you know, these secrets can be so toxic. But I think at the end of the day, it helped him to kind of come to terms with things in his childhood that were difficult to come to terms with. There was much more of an understanding um, why his parents maybe acted the way they did towards him, why his father acted the way he did towards him. Um, so yes, yeah. I'm glad you did it. Okay, well, I want to ask both of you, because um, what, what do you think is the definition of a family? You know, I think the accepted uh, definition now is it's the people who raise you, whether you're adopted, you're in a foster family, you're in a step family. Uh, but you're saying, I think, something more than that, Rick. So I, I'd like to hear from each of you what your definition of a family is. Well, you know, for me, Rick's sister, Randy, although biologically a half sister, she's his sister, she's our family. And, you know, that the people that are now in the tribe, um, they're genetically related to Rick. And there's something more than friend, but not quite family. Okay. That's something that will, will evolve but there's a definite connection that goes beyond friend. Okay, yeah. and Rick, do you, you agree with that? Yeah, it, I guess the easiest way to describe it would be to say it's like meeting a cousin that you didn't know you had. Oh, <laughs> right. You know, actually biologically, a half sibling is twice as, con as connected as, as a cousin, but... Um, you know, you, you find out, I think in the, in the book I mentioned um, South Koreans meeting their North Korean cousins that they knew they had, but they had no shared family experience. Um, so it's, it, it, again, it's, it's just a question of getting to know people and having this, this biological connection, which creates certain similarities. There's a sense of, of connection, but it's not clearly the same thing as, as being raised in the same family. That's interesting because I think a, a lot of us have had the experience of connecting with cousins you know, via Facebook. Uh, right. We didn't know that we had. So that that is, that yeah. is a good uh, a analogy. Uh, I'd like to ask you, uh, what did writing this book mean to each of you and to your family? Well, this book was a, a catharsis and a process of self-examination that I never thought I would have to undertake or would be capable of undertaking. And I'm glad that I was able to get through a lot of the emotions associated with this. Uh, in, as I said, in addition to it being an, an interesting story, I think it's... Uh, it's a good human interest story that, that really winds up with um, some good life lessons and, um, uh, and, and it, it really worked out very well. So I'm very happy that, that I was able to put the book together based on the fact that we had a good outcome and it was, that's what made it such a warm and wonderful story. I think it's also a great legacy for our children and our grandchildren. Um, our sons, they're both grown, they're both professionals. Um, our younger son is a physician 
and his wife is a physician and her father is a physician and her grandfather is a physician. Mm -hmm. our, in our side of the family, Adam was the first one. Uh -huh. uh, and in medical school, they ask you if you have family that are physicians. It's kind of a, the typical question that they ask you on the application and he wrote no, but the answer is really yes, because his grandfather actually biologically was a physician. So, um, and interestingly, Randy's half siblings that she found from her biological father uh, is also a physician. So, um, you know, the, the book I think is, is something that's important that we leave to our children as well. And also giving them a true medical history on their dad's side. Okay, so what, what's been the reaction uh, from readers to your book? And who do you think is the audience for, for it? Um, because it reads in some ways like a mystery novel almost, I think it's very widespread readership. The, the reactions, the ratings and the reviews on Amazon have been phenomenal. Um, we're so pleased by it. Uh, we have people that we know who said that they, they sat and read it in one sitting because they couldn't put it down. And um, we've presented at our local library for an author talk, the first one that they held after COVID and it was standing room only. And it wasn't just our friends and family. I think people within the community are interested in the story because I think almost everybody knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody that's had some sort of a DNA surprise. So um, it's actually been better than we expected. Okay, well, we're coming, we're coming to the end of our time now. Is there anything else uh, either of you would like to add or share? Hmm. Well, I think we just wanna thank um, how thankful we are to the donor doctor's uh, family for being so welcoming to us and giving us the information that we originally requested, um, but so much more. I think the, the welcoming aspect that they showed us was just so unbelievably kind and altruistic. And generous. And generous. And we're very lucky. Not everybody gets a response like that. So um, we just want to put that out there if they should be listening to this, how much we appreciated how they accepted Rick and me into their life. Great. So um, if people want to get in touch with, with you or if they want to uh, buy the book, uh, where can they find you and the book? You've mentioned Amazon. Is that the best well, place? Yeah, the book is on Amazon. Um, if you would like to contact us, the publisher is Gershon Press, G-E-R-S-H-O-N-P-R-E-S-S. -E -S -S. So it's info at gershonpress.com. And, um, and on Amazon, if you put in Revelation and then put in the last name K-A-Y-E, it should pull up the book. Yeah, there's too many biblical books related <laughs> right. to Revelation. <laughs> Thanks no, so much okay. for joining us today, Annette and Rick Kay. The book is Revelation, a memoir of deep family secrets, discovery, and identity. 
I also want to thank our executive producer, Pam Stack. People of the Book is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Please visit us and like our Facebook page, People of the Book. I'm your host, Meryl Ain, the author of The Takeaway Man. The sequel, Shadows We Carry, will be published in April. For more information about my books and writing, visit me at MerylAin.com. Until next time, please join us on Facebook at Jews Love to Read and read a good book. <laughs>